I'm Michael Whitehouse, and this is the Writer's Republic podcast. Writer's Republic helps authors get their stories to the world by supporting them and publishing their own book their own way. On this show, we interview authors to share the story behind the story. Stick around after to learn how you can get their book and for information on how Writer's Republic can help you publish your own book. And now, let's learn the story. Hello once again. Our interview today is with Steve Walther, the author of Sacred Blisters, a pilgrim's look at the history, mystery, and life lessons learned on El Camino de Santiago. I'm sure there's supposed to be an accent used for that that I'm just not a master of, but I'm sure the story's going to be good, too. I've been talking to Steve before we hit record. He's got a, some great energy, so let me share it with you. Steve, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you so much for indulging me on talking about me. Yes, <laughs> that's what it's all about. So yeah. tell us, what is El Camino de Santiago? El Camino de Santiago is um, a ancient... Uh, path that leads from all over Europe. Think of it as a hub where El Camino de Santiago is a town. Well, Santiago de Compostela is a town in north um, in northwest Spain. And there are trails that come from all over Europe since the Middle Ages to this one spot. Mm. And the prefaces of this is why that, um, why that came to be. And what happened is um, one of Jesus's 12 apostles, um, after, you know, the big guy got hung up on the cross, the the 12 apostles got together, and, and I don't know if they drew straws to see who went where, but St. James um, ended up going to the Iberian Peninsula, and he got on a boat, went to the Iberian Peninsula, walked all around for several years, and had limited success, but a little bit of success, but he really had most success in this one part of Spain, today's Spain, called uh, Galicia, and uh, after several years, he decided he needed to go back and see what the other boys were doing back in the back in Jerusalem. So he gets on a boat and goes back. And when he gets there, the Romans say, there he is. He's one of those, one of those Christian guys. And they rounded him up and cut his head off. And his disciples then kind of wrapped up his body, took it back to Spain and hid it. And they hid it on the side of this mountain um, in the countryside uh, of Galicia and built kind of a mausoleum there. And, and, and it was kind of a secret where it was. And after generations, it was kind of forgotten. And then one day in the eighth century, I think, this one guy was out wandering around and, and came across this old building out in the middle of nowhere and uh, had, he, you know, the, the, the story and the lore is, you know, there were stars and there were things that brought him there. And, and uh, so he ends up at this place and gets the door open and there's a box there with some Aramaic writing and calls the church in to show him what he found. And they said, oh, my gosh, this is St. James. And in Spanish, Santiago means St. James. Mm. So Santiago de Compostela, Compostela, Santiago de Compostela means um, a field of dream, a field of stars. And so it's St. James under a field of stars. And then El Camino. So El Camino, direct translation means the way, like the pathway. But early Christianhood, the way they used to refer to Christianity as the way. The way of the way, the way forward, the way to follow the way. So El Camino de Santiago kind of has two meanings. One is the way of Jesus, and the other is the way of um, the path, um, the path itself. So when they found it, people started coming from all over Europe to this one spot. So 
when you hear people talk about El Camino de Santiago, it's not one path. There's actually 50,000 miles of trails that come from all over Europe to this one spot. So the other interesting thing is, you know, it started off as a very Christian pilgrimage, but today people are making it from all over and different from all over the world, from all different religions and all different walks of life and everything. And, and I don't know what the percentage is, but I would say less than 50% of the people probably um, are, are, are have any tie to a religion one way or the other when they're doing it. It's more of a self-reflective. It's more of a um, an adventure, a journey, a, um, you know, maybe they have a change at home, a family, something happening, or, you know, some people, it's interesting, some people, they say that they go for a physical challenge, and they, and they're not really ready for the mental part of it when they come back. So it's, um, it's, it's, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of the Camino and, and, and how it came about. Um, but, and, and so there isn't one way, there's kind of your way, how you want to do it. So the Camino that you pick can be based on your, you know, how far you can walk. Number one, probably the most important, but two is how long you have. So um, I have a really good friend that finished it yesterday or the day before that when I say finished it, he arrived in Santiago and he started um, 35 days ago or so. He started on the, the, the most traditional routes called the Camino Frances and it starts on the French side of the Pyrenees. You walk over the Pyrenees and all the way across northern Spain to this one spot and it's still over 500 miles, it takes about 35 days and he just finished yesterday. And um, so again, that's an example. So for him, his Camino was, um, you know, 35 days. And, and it could be anywhere from 35 days to, to five days, you yeah. know, whatever fits your, 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 you know, your calendar and your ability. So how did you get into studying this and what's it mean for you? Well, it's kind of a funny story is, so um, I don't know how far I want to go back. I I graduated from college and had a job that I didn't particularly like. <laughs> and I went to work one day and, and the, the, the fellow that owned the business was very upset over something that had happened the day before, which I wasn't even there. And he started yelling at me about something. And, and that morning on the way to work, I checked the mail and I had a postcard. And it was from a friend of mine that had went to Spain on an exchange program and uh, never came home. <laughs> he stayed. And the postcard read, and I still have it, 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 it read, dude, I live in this 500-year-old building, rent's cheap, drinks are cheap, uh, food's cheap. He said, women come and cook and clean for me. Nat it's natural and correct. When are you coming? <laughs> A little today in today's society, you get in trouble saying that, but it was, you know, in, in fun and in joke. Uh, I read the postcard, laughed, and it, it said, when are you coming? And it had a phone number. Mm -hmm. Put the postcard in my pocket, and I went to work. And got yelled at immediately by, by this by this guy that I was talking about. And uh, I said, "Wait just a second. And I walked downstairs, and from his phone, I called the number on the postcard. <laughs> and I said, "Hey, I got your postcard." And we both laughed. And I said, "Are you serious about me coming?" And he said, "Yes." And um, this is this is in 1991, and uh, 91 or 92. And he said, um, he said, "Yeah. In fact, I just got a new apartment. I, I need a roommate." He said, I'll be there in two weeks. <laughs> and I, and I, I sold everything I owned, which 
for a 23 year old, uh, I was pretty loaded. I had a, a fi- couple of fish tanks, a motorcycle and a Jeep. Ooh. So I saw <laughs> and a futon. So I sold all that stuff that, that my riches and uh, I moved to Spain and uh, I moved to a town called Granada, which is in far southern Spain. Mm-hmm. And uh, to make to, to take this really long story and shorten it up a little bit. One of my roommates there was from his family was from Galicia. And we went up to visit his family and we walked out on the square in front of the big cathedral. And there were kind of backpackers coming through and there was real kind of some weird juju, some weird energy. And I and I said, what the heck is going on here? And he says, well, these are they're pilgrims. I said, pilgrims like Thanksgiving turkey and pilgrims. <laughs> You know, my my American um, small town um, naive side had no idea what the heck he was talking about. And he says, no, they're they're walking the Camino. So, you know, this was before the Internet. I, I found some books. I started reading out and I said, someday I'm going to do this. Um, fast forward a few years later, I, I met and married a Spanish lady. We lived in Spain for several years. And I kept telling her, her and I went up and visited up there. And I said, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to walk this. And as time went on. I uh, I started getting older, having kids and different things. And all of a sudden, I, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. So I kind of drew a line in the sand and said, I'm going to do my first one. If I don't do it by the time I'm 50, I'll never do it. So um, I did my first Camino um, uh, when I was 49. And um, I'm, I have my fifth one scheduled this coming November. And wow. if, yeah, and if it was up to me, I would walk the Camino in perpetuity. <laughs> you know, it's um, it is uh, it's more than you know. People say, "Well, oh, you're going on another hike." Well, yes, you're out walking, but it's not a hike. Other people say, "You live in Idaho. Why are you hi- why are you going all the way to, to Europe to hike? You have all kinds. You know, we live on the west side of the Rockies. We have, you know, um, a tremendous outdoor wildlife. Everything here." It's more than it's more than the nature part of it. It's everything. It's the history, the mystery, the you know. I mentioned before the juju. There is mm-hmm. a feeling you get there, and the people you meet, everybody's feeling it, and we're all kind of connected. Hmm. And your walk, and and you and you can walk. It, it's, it's entirely everybody does it their own way, and when you walk, you can walk all by yourself. I. Um, so far, I've done all of them by myself. I went once with one with my daughter. Um, next year, I'm going to go with with both of my kids. We're going to do it together. Um, but you, you know, I always start off by myself, and I end up coming into Santiago with the with my Camino family, with the whole group of folks that become lifelong friends, and not and more than friends. We have that that time spent together that is like nothing else. Um, you have all day long walking, and I don't know, are, Michael. Do you do you, are you a walker? Uh, not a huge walker. Um, but, but I think I think I know what you're talking about. That sense of that that quiet time together. That's the difference right. between in person events and virtual events. Is the same thing. In a yep. virtual event, you're in the events done, you're out. Whereas an in person event, you've got that time after it's over when you're hanging out in the lobby or the bar afterwards or the. Right. Um, you know, after the game, when you're standing in the parking lot for an hour talking and right, you know, right, 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 those but, those unprogrammed times and and so I can yeah. certainly understand what you're saying that we're they're talking about days of yes. programmed time to just explore each other's lives and stories. Ex- and, yeah. and, it's, 
And and so, so tell me a little bit about the, the book and what, what's in there. Oh, yeah. It's about like those stories so, and your experience there. The book is I didn't I didn't want to write a history book because I'm not a historian. And so it's a little bit of about the history, but it's more written like from the standpoint of, hey, it all started with this with this dude walking around. And it's not, you know, it dives a little bit into the religious aspect of it, but not, you know, quoting Bible verse and all that, because that's that's not my thing either, um, necessarily from that focal point. Um, it's more about, um, you know, here's the history of it, but every other chapter oscillates between little stories about people I met and life lessons learned from that. And um, I learned so many amazing things about myself, about life, about everything from the people I meet and the experiences that happen. Um, I've, I've met, um, you know, I met people that all different walks of life from all over. Like as an example, this last time I walked, I walked with um, a real character from Taiwan. I walked with a guy from, um, uh, from Portugal. I walked with a guy from Spain. I walked with a 70 year old lady from Brazil. Um, I walked with a, um, Another guy from Hong Kong and a guy uh, guy from Amsterdam, and I'm forgetting one from, uh, oh, a lady from Denmark. So that was kind of our group. I mean, a very eclectic ages ranged from yeah. um, late 20s to 70. And we all kind of, you know, different perspectives, different talking at different points. We all, you know, um, you know we'd be walking you know, I, with, you know, a little bit with one person and a little bit of another person, then all of us. And then, but you stop and you walk and then you, you might stop and have a glass of wine. You might stop and have a cup of coffee or you might stop. And the wine and the coffee are amazing. The food is fantastic. The countryside, you walk through a village and then you're at the side of a mountain and then you go over the mountain and then you're walking through a farm and then you're on the side of a freeway. And then you walk through a big city and then you walk through the country and then you walk on a cobblestone street. So it's, Every day is different, mm. um, you know. And the other thing too is like when it's hot, every it's hot for everybody. It's not like whoa with me, it's hot. It's like we're all kind of in it together. Yeah. Um, when it's cold and raining, it's it, you know it's not just raining on on him or her. It's raining on all of us. So we're all kind of in it together. Mm. And um, and you come to a town and you 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 break bread together and you you know tell stories and you get to know each other. Um, and it just create and you're creating memories. Um, but more than that, um, I think the self-reflection, the, um, you know, everything that happens. But the book is kind of little life lessons I learned. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick, I'll give you one story. I, uh, my, on my, my first Camino, um, when you, when you get to Santiago, you can extend it three or four days and walk over to a coast, a place called Finisterre, which before Columbus, Finisterre in Latin means ended the earth. And before yep. Columbus, they used to think if you kept going past, then you'd fall off the edge of the world. Mm -hmm. And um, so they that's the it's like the westernmost point in Europe. And it's a little point up there on the uh, where the land sticks out. And so you can and that's where when they brought his body back from the Holy Lands, um, Santiago's, that's where they came inland right there. And so it's kind of an important spot from that as well. So I, I was on my way walking out there. And I'd read in a guidebook that said, don't pack all this extra weight because you're carrying your stuff on your back. It said your your phone has a nice flashlight on it. So if you leave, you know, when you leave early in the morning in the dark, you don't need a flashlight. You just use your phone, which sounds reasonable, right? Well, it was pouring rain when I this one particular morning, so much so that 
my finger went work on the screen. And then I thought my, I was going to fry my phone from being in the downpour of a rain. You know, I think there were goldfish swimming in my jacket pocket. It was so <laughs> wet. <laughs> so I, I didn't have a flashlight. It's pouring down rain. It was so dark. I was in a forest. I couldn't see out in front of me. And I'm, I'm walking down this trail by feel like this. And, um, and I, I got to a point in the trail where the trail teed. And they have markers there that tell you which way to go along the way so you know the path. And it was so dark, I could see the marker, but I couldn't tell which way the arrow went on the marker. So I'm, I'm reaching, the water's like gushing along the slide of the trail there. And I'm, I, I got to one knee and I'm reaching up to feel the arrow to see if it goes right or left. And out of the darkness behind me, I hear a voice that says, what in the hell are you doing? And I turned around and there was a, a Korean guy, um, <laughs> Jawan, and he had a parka on, a, a rain jacket parka, a rain jacket hood. With his, he had a headlamp on and, and uh, he'd been following me and he thought I was some drunk guy from the night before walking down the trail like this. And I, I couldn't see his light, but he, he watched me and I explained to my predicament with not having any light walking out in the darkness. And, and you know, he kind of shrugged his, his, uh, his shoulders and rolled his eyes at some stupid American not having a light working in the dark in a rainstorm. But um, we got to talking the next day and I said, you know, you, you, I know you started in St. Jean de Port in, 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 um, in France. And I know you've been walking for up at that point, you'd already been walking 35 days or more. Um, I said, tell me something that you learned along the way. And he said, you know, he was, he was um, 34, 35 years old. He'd never been outside of Korea before. He'd never been on an airplane before. He spoke Korean, obviously, and a little bit of English, but he didn't speak Spanish or he didn't speak any French, which is very common. Not a lot of people speak Spanish and French. Not everybody does. Mm -hmm. But he uh, he said, when I got to Paris, you know, first time I'd ever been outside of Korea, I, uh, I was lost. I didn't know how to talk to anyone. I was alone. I finally figured out how to take a train all the way down to where, where you start the Camino. And I didn't know how you're supposed to find albergues are the hostels where you stay, where the pilgrims stay. He said, I didn't know how to find one. I didn't know what to do. He said, I, I finally figured it out. And I walked over that first mountain over the Pyrenees and um, I couldn't talk to anybody. I was alone. I was miserable. It was terrible. I hated it. And as I'm coming down the other side, he said, I, I made a conscious effort that the first time I saw a town with a taxi, I was going to take it back and go home. And uh, right then, this other seventy-something-year-old um, Korean man came walking walking into where he was, and they they got to talking. And he said, "Well, hi, how you know they're speaking in Korean?" And he says, well, uh, how, "How's your journey going?" And and the old man said, "I'm seventy-something years old." I've never been on an airplane before. I've never left Korea before. I don't speak any English. I don't speak any Spanish. I don't speak any French. He didn't even speak English. And he said, but the people are so nice and helpful and wonderful. He said, everyone I meet is so nice. He said, the views are incredible. Can you believe this? He said, we're out walking. We just we just crossed the Pyrenees. He said, it is so amazing. Life is, is incredible. And he said, I'm having the best time of my life. And Jawan turned, he stopped and he turned to me and he says, you know, I learned a very valuable lesson there. He said, whenever you're struggling, there's always people with far less succeeding with far less. And it basically said, you know, quit your bitching and keep mm -hmm. going. And he said, I never stopped walking. And in fact, I walked with him for a day and a half and he walked, he, he was a good walker. Yeah. And uh, he said, I, you know, I got it down. He says, I've met all kinds of people. I've had a wonderful adventure. 
But those are the kind of life lessons you learn along the way where, you know, and I carry that with me all the time is anytime you get down about something, mm-hmm. you think back to, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. And, and I, and I made through it. Okay. And, um, you know, those are the kind of, those are the kind of stories that are in the book about stuff like that. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yep. So one of the notes you had here is, mentions the importance of preparation and the curse of over-preparation. I'm <laughs> That's curious right. about that. There is a, uh, a wonderful, um, guy, Australian guy that has a podcast named Dan Mullins about the Camino. And he calls people that over-prepare, um, spreadsheet pilgrims. And I, unfortunately, um, with my my personality way I am I do plan a little bit probably over plan on I'm going to be here and I'm going to do this I'm going to do this I'm going to do this um but I've one of the things I've learned in doing several of them is you know obviously spontaneity is is fantastic and you have to have some sort of outline or you're not going to make it but one of the things that you come back with the Camino is you really don't need that much stuff not only in your backpack but as an example for going home back home and learning to declutter your life is what do you really need? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to spend 30, 35 days on the French route or one of your other routes, 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever, whatever your thing is, I'm going to be able to do it with, with um, my backpack, with, you know, a pair of shorts, maybe a pair of long pants, a couple of shirts, a jacket, um, you know, maybe a blanket and some toiletries and, uh, and some socks and underwear. That's, that's all I have. Yeah. What 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 do we really need? And and to get by and 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 you're you're doing this incredible adventure with very very little. And you, it's funny you see people you get there you know they have these giant back pads and way way too much. And I heard a story once with they saw somebody walking with a chair, with a fold up chair on the back of their backpack, which I I suspect that chair probably didn't make it the whole way. But um, I've always thought it would be really cool to open up a shop on day one or two of most of the, of the trails to, to buy people stuff that they want to get rid of <laughs> just get it, or to pick it up along the trail and then go back and sell it at the start of the trail. But, um, but it's a real, um, you know, as far as learning about how to prepare for everything in life is you really don't need a whole lot more than first off the want to. And the second is, you know, a commitment to do it. Um, and um, all the other stuff is 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 extra baggage, literally and figuratively, that you don't need. Um, I, another quick story is I've met this wonderful woman through the um, through the Camino universe, and um, she's actually she's she she is over seventy years old. She is this ninety pound um, lady. Um, she's from uh, Northern California, and she has done many 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 Caminos. She will walk 12, 1,400 miles this summer doing several Caminos she, and she's just this, this, this tiny little older lady. And she, she dyes her hair blue when she's there and she's just, everybody knows her name is Dr. Gigi and Gigi's this wonderful lady. And she, I, she was telling the story about how she, she carries a backpack like this big that weighs nothing, like just a few pounds. And she says she carries like um, what she's wearing, a long t-shirt, some rain, rain stuff and some food and that's it. And they said, well, how do you how do you get by with that? And she says, when I get to the albergue, the, the hostel, she says, I put my bag on the bed and I go into the into the showers and I get and I bring I have a T-shirt. I bring the T-shirt and set it out. I get right into the shower with all my clothes. I wash them with them on, wring them out, hang them up to dry. And then I put the T-shirt on. And I said, so, Gigi, you 
you then walk around the albergue with just wearing a t-shirt with all those people around? And she said, oh, honey, she said, if, if they want to look at me naked, they have more problems than I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's, it's kind of, you don't really need that much stuff. And, uh, you know, and she, um, I'm friends with her on Facebook and she's there right now. And I just, I just love following her, watching her, meeting these people and the smile, the permagrin she has walking around doing her thing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she's 70 years old. Yeah, makes sense. And that, so, is, is there food in the hostels, or where do you find the great, basic great question? So, you it depends on the route. Every day, you kind of have to to read the guidebook or and see what's up, what's in the next day. So, you might have to pack, you know, some uh, uh, some French bread and some uh, cold cuts and some fruit in your bag and 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 uh, bring that with you. But most of the routes, every day along the way, there's restaurants along the way. And the restaurants have, so in Spain, they eat their big meal of the day, like the two or three in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you go to a place and they have what they call el menu del día, or the they also the menu of the day or the, the, the pilgrim's meal. And it's usually anywhere from about $5 to $15, like a three or four or five course meal that's amazing. Um, I'll t- uh, this, this, this is a great story, and I'm glad you asked that question, is um, my trip before I did the Portuguese route from Porto, Portugal up, actually it was two trips ago. And I walked with this Portuguese guy who was married to a Polish lady and they lived in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Talk about conversations you might have in that, in that dynamic. But, and there was a German guy with us and a lady from Mexico. And we, we walked into this place to have the big men, the big meal at the end of the day or the late, late middle of the day. And the, um, Polish lady said, "None of I wish I could do a Polish accent, but she said, none of you guys sit with me. I'm going to sit over here. So I thought maybe her husband, she got in trouble or something was going on or she got mad at us. I don't know. But she went over and sat by herself and we all sat at our, at this other table. So when you're doing the menu of the day, it usually comes with um, wine or water or um, and it comes with um, like a soup or salad, a, a main course, you know, a meat, a vegetable, um, and then it comes with a dessert and a cup of coffee. And it, you know, it might be seven, eight bucks. And it's, you know, it might be the, the main course might be uh chicken and some rice, or it might be French fries and a steak, or it might be, it can be a whole bunch of different things. But if you sit, if you're by yourself, they'll bring you a bottle of wine in one glass. If you sit with four people, they'll bring you a bottle of wine in four glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so she went and sat at her table. Got one glass and one bottle of wine, and then once and they brought us, you know, four glasses and one bottle of wine. And once she got her bottle and her glass, then she came over and joined us. <laughs> but so there's a little tricks you can learn along the way. Nice. But yeah, so to answer your question, some of the albergues um, will serve like a kind of a communal dinner at night. Some of them will have a kitchen where people can go together and go into a little market and buy some food and come back and cook it together. Um, some of them offer a food where you all sit at the same table and they might make, and usually it's something like a stew or, or, you know, something, but they'll, they'll make it for everybody. And then you might have to pay. Um, a lot of them are, um, um, you make a, uh, some of them are, you, you, you give what you want other ones. Okay. It's an extra $5 for dinner or $10 for dinner, whatever that is. So it depends on where you stay. Now the albergues are basically, they're like hostels for pilgrims and you have to be a pilgrim to stay there. You have, you get a credential when you start. Yeah. And 
Um, a lot of them are, some of them are very nice and some of them are giant rooms with a bunch of bunk beds in it. Um, some Part of that's the adventure. When you're a lot younger, it's a lot better than when you're older. <laughs> and um, I met an English lady once that she said the best thing. She said, um, I told her where I'd stayed the night before. She said, oh, albergue. She said, uh, she says, they smell of pain and regret. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, so I, I like albergues for the experience and uh, the, um, the purist, the uh, pilgrim purist will, will uh, want to shoot lightning at me for saying this, but I, I like to say they have um, rural houses, they call them casas rurales, or they have um, bed and breakfasts or small hotels in some of these places where you can stay there, which sometimes is also really quaint. And sometimes you, you meet the local farm family or you meet somebody. Um, mm -hmm. I prefer those in my own room, my own shower. I get back and, you know, you walked all day. I like to take my shoes off lay there in my underwear for a few minutes and collect myself, take a shower and then go back out and, and have dinner or meet with every, everybody. But when you're in the albergue, you know, you're on a bunk bed with a room full of people. And if one person's snoring, everybody hears them snoring. And if five people are snoring, you know, I don't get a wink of sleep. So, um, you know, and then people leave early or late and, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the experience. And I think everyone should stay in some albergues yep. along the way. Um, I like to have to break it up with uh, with a little me time along the way too. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you shared that because my first thought here was like the Appalachian Trail, where it's where it's basically you're in the wilderness for days and days. Mm -hmm. But but this isn't the wilderness. There's there's places you're staying. There's way stations along the route. Yep. Um, it is it is sounds like a very civilized uh, journey. Yep. Uh, that there's. You know, you don't, it's not the Appalachian Trail where you have to bring all your food, all your supplies, cooking yep. supplies, tents, the whole thing. This is more of your walking from from one supplied place to another supplied place. Yep. And it's more about the journey than the hike and the physical challenge and yeah. and challenging yep. the mountain. It's more about finding <laughs> challenging yourself more than exactly. And now, now there are aspects of certain routes that are very um, arduous and very difficult and very um you climb over mm -hmm. some good mountains, but, you know, you're, um, and, and there are places where people do stay in tents and they do do that, but it's very rare. I met a guy that walked all the way from Germany and he walked and, and camped. He, he, he had the biggest backpack I've ever seen, but he, he's, he camped along the way and would stay in albergues and camp depending on what was available. And so you can do it. Um, but mo I would say 99% of people don't, there are people that do it with on horseback. There are people that do it on bicycles. Um, there, uh, I actually met a guy. Uh, I didn't meet him. I saw him that did it with. Uh, he had a donkey with all his stuff, and he he'd come all the way from northern Europe somewhere. Um, there's a lady, this this a young Spanish lady. When I say young, you know, as we get older, young people becomes relative. But she literally <laughs> was pretty young. I think she was um, early twenties, twenty ish, hmm. by herself. A Spanish young lady. She is remarkable. Can't think of her name right at this very second, but she walked from Santiago to the Holy Lands backwards. She did that, and it, she left. Um, I think she left in the early summer or spring, and got to. Uh, she walked into Jerus Jerusalem or Bethlehem. She walked into Bethlehem, I think, on Christmas Day. Either Jerusalem or Bethlehem, I can't remember, but uh, by herself. Backwards. So she walked all all the way up. Spain, across southern France, down Italy, 
Then she took a ferry over to Greece or Turkey, and then she walked through Syria. And then I'm not sure what countries between Syria and Israel, but she, I think Syria to Israel, but she walked by herself that whole way. Wow. Um, and she did like podcast interviews along the way back and the people would broadcast them here so you could follow her journey. And uh, it was amazing. Wow. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. And as I'm hearing, I'm thinking about books like uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Yeah. The story of a, a physical journey that is also the story of a of an inward journey. Um, but this is that in real life. And the concept has always been fascinating. The I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an American. It's the idea of a road trip and journey. I've driven to Los Angeles. I've dri- from Ke- Connecticut. I've driven to Florida, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, you know, road trip's not quite the same because you're basically in the car. You're lit. You've got your own space, your own media, your own environment. Where it's, it sounds like on this trip, you know, you're not listening to podcasts. You're you're talking to people around you. You're listening to birds and trees and animals yep. and wind and and your actual environment. Yep. And you and you. Um... Some people walk entirely by themselves the whole time. They're there for that mental headspace that they just want to, you know, maybe they're dealing with something back home or, you know, maybe they just they want to do it that way. Other people ebb and flow with themselves and with other people. And the great thing, too, is you might see someone on the first day and and walk with them and then not see them for four or five days or for 10 days or 15 days. So um, it's a little bit different. Um, You know, this year I'll be doing my fifth one. And the technology's evolved quite a bit. So now everybody exchanges when you meet them, their, their WhatsApp number. So you can say like, hey, Joe, where are you? You know, oh, I just came into this town or don't 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 eat at that place. Or, you know, oh, you can't miss the 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 sangria at this place. You know, so you you kind of have that um, that connection that you didn't used to have. It used to be you'd just be looking in the guidebook, um, you know, the whole way, um, which, you know, there's pros and cons of both. Yeah. But um but the nature part of it is, is, you know, you're out in the elements. Um, you're not on the, you know, I'm, I'm a West coast guy. So we have the Pacific crest trail versus the Appalachian trail, you know, so you don't have the pure, um, um, outback aspect of being away from civilization. But so you're, you know, if, if you do have an emergency, you're never really that far away from, um, help. Um, and here's the other thing too, is, People, people are the best versions of themselves when they're there. And when people need help, everybody helps. Um, I've mm-hmm. seen people that had really bad foot issues, um, um, health issues along the way, and someone else carries their backpack too, um, you know, to get them to where they need to go. And, and there's a sense of camaraderie and there's a sense of a collective we as opposed to me. Yep. And and I and I think that's a valuable lesson that every pilgrim takes home with them. Mm. You see things through a little bit of a different light. I'm I'm a I'm a backpacker. I love to backpack. Um, I love to camp. I love to do all that stuff. But it's different than that because you are um, there's a together. Yeah. Even though you could be all by yourself, but there's still a together. Um, but then you and then you factor in, you know, you're walking on a trail that you know, first off, 2,020 years ago, the first guy who started walking around doing this. And then, and then, you know, um, however many years since they found his body, people have been walking on the same, these same trails. And the reason there's so many trails is because where it's where they came up, you know, where they originally were coming back. And, and one of the main differences is back then they walked all the way there and then they had to turn around and walk back. <laughs> you know, we get on an airplane and fly home. 
<laughs> but they also, you know, didn't have Gore-Tex and all that stuff. So their their journey was much, much difficult. And then the other part of the history, that same thing was because this was such an important pilgrimage with regards to the church back then, Knights, the Knights Templar that we all know from, you know, the movies, the uh the um oh, I'm forgetting the, the the big movie with uh Tom Hanks. Um you know, and the, all the Knights Templar movies and all that stuff. Well, the Knights Templar really started out of protecting the pilgrims on the on the Camino. No, and, really? then, and then they started going, and then they were, um, you know, either going or coming from the Holy Lands, you know, during the Crusades. So along along the Camino, there are all of these um, Knights Templar churches that were kind of like guard stations for protecting the pilgrims. So if you were a bandit or something and you stole money from someone, the basically like the Texas Ranger version of today or the, or the old West, they would go out after these guys and, and, you know, kind of protect the pilgrims along the way. So that history, that part of that, and there's all kinds of symbology along the way, like different symbols and different things that go back to the Knights Templar. Hmm. And so that whole aspect of it is super cool as well. And when you're walking, you just, you feel all that. And the people that have been walking the, the millions and millions of steps that have been on that same trail whether you're out in the field or you're out in the forest or you're on a cobblestone street, wherever you are, you're following an ancient path that is, and, and they say that that's those same paths were um, before Santiago, um, the going back to the Celts um, before, um, you know, the Celts were there in Galicia before that. And there's trails all over way back, um, you know, before Christ, way back a thousand years before that. So mm-hmm. these trails are all, they've been there for a, for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, well, uh, yeah. And that, that's fascinating because, you know, for, for, for us Americans, you know, 200 years seems like old. And right. in Europe, you know, it, it sounds like this, this tradition of having, of having all the, the stopovers and whatnot, that goes back more than 200 years, let alone. Well, Yep. You said you oh, said two hundred years. I, out west, eighty years is pretty old. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so feeling something that old, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years yeah. old, must yeah. be very powerful. It 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 is, and and again, again, um, from the religious component of it, remembering how it all got started is, you know, one of the guys that walked with Christ. Whether whether you believe or whether you know, like the the Gigi, Dr. Gigi, who I mentioned before, she's mm-hmm. Jewish, and yep. she's the she's Jewish, and she she is uh, she has a star David on her backpack, and she 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 stays kosher. And being in Spain, eating eating no pork and and eating kosher is very difficult, but she does it, and she's she's wonderful. So I mean, I've walked with Muslims, I've walked with Jews, I've walked mm-hmm. with uh, um, uh, what am I forgetting here? Um, Hindus, um, not very many Hindus, but a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so you, you, it's not all just Christianity now, but with that said is when you get to the, um, the end, this, can you see, this is the church at the end yep. where, where Santiago is buried. And wow. when you, when you go in there, you can go see the box where his remains are. And it's a, it's this really, uh, silver and gold encrusted box. that's kind of below the altar down below. And you can, you can walk right up to it and, you know, you're three or four feet from it. So, you know, you're standing right next to a guy that walked with Jesus. Wow. You know, yeah. What, whether you believe what part of the story or not, that's still pretty powerful that he is one of the guys that did it. And he's right there. And um, from a historical perspective, I think that's pretty powerful. And and the other neat thing, too, is at the end, they have a pilgrim's mass. So everybody, no matter, um, again, what denomination, where they're from, the whole thing, 
everybody goes and does the pilgrim mass at the end where it's kind of like a big you know you're you're there you did it and they um they kind of read what you register you get a certificate that you did the walk or you, not everyone goes and gets it but the majority majority of people do during the mass at the end they read they read off they say well we have 27 people from france and we have 200 from England and 25 from United States. And they tell where everybody came from, how many pilgrims they had that day. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like one of those places where, where you sort of see a convergence of faith, that that faith, mm-hmm. whatever your faith is, that's where you start to see those overlapping lines that that it's, it, there's a lot in common among them. Yep. You're not like, I'm a Christian pilgrim and you're a Muslim pilgrim. Yep. And, oh, we're doing different things. It's, yep. You discover you're walking the same road, both physically and metaphorically. Yeah. Now, I will say not to. there are some Camino purists that say you have to do it this way and you have to walk this way and you have to carry in this many, you know, baloney. I think you do it what do what's best for you, um, you know, in the spirit of, of what it's what you're meaning, which yep. is supposed to be happening. But. Um, everyone do their own Camino the way that works for them. And, and I think it's, uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, and really, and especially, in, well, not just especially today, but, but the way people are so um, fragmented today, yeah, that it is a wonderful thing to come together. And the best part of all is however long you choose to walk, whether it be five days or a hundred days is, you know, you're not watching the news every day. And it's amazing how, how the sun shines a little brighter and the birds chirp a little louder when you're not listening to all that negative yeah, nakedness all day long. Yeah. And um, it reminds you of what, what we all have in common. And I mean, even just getting out and talking to your neighbors does that. So I can imagine being yeah. out five, 10, 20 days away from all that and, and, you know, connecting with, with people, even if you are checking in on the news every night, cause you can't stop yourself. It's still, once you get back out there, you're reminded of, Oh, these, this is what people are like, you know, they care about their families and their health and, you know, finding peace and understanding themselves and all the rest is noise. We, we all, we all love our families. We want the best for our families. We want to be loved. We want to be, uh, we, we all, we all, no matter what our outsides look like on the inside, we're all the same and we all want the same things. And you really quickly learn that our stories, you know, some people have different zeros behind their, their numbers you don't start, you don't talk numbers there. You don't get into that too much. Um, and you, and you know, sometimes the most unassuming people you find out later, um, I'll I'll tell you one story. Um, and, uh, I don't, in case she listens to this, I don't want to embarrass this. I won't use her name, but I met this, I met this, I walked with this amazing woman from uh, Mexico and, um, she had been working as a nanny in Ireland. And I said, you went and I said, why did you go to Ireland to be a nanny? She said, well, I want to learn English. And I said, you went to Ireland to learn English? And she <laughs> said, I know how I know how stupid that is now, how silly that is now. She said, but she'd been there for so many years and her visa was running out. So she had to go back home. So she before she left, she wanted to do the Camino. So um, and so as an American, I assume that she was probably. Um, you know, it was a job working as a nanny and a way for her to travel to Europe that she may not financially be able to do it. And that's what I assumed, right? And, and whether that's probably unfair assumption, but at the same token, not unreasonable, right? 
And one day we were talking, and again, we were there was a German guy with us and the Polish lady and the and the Portuguese guy, and we were all talking about back when we were in college and where we lived when we were in college, and they lived in the dorms and they lived in an apartment, and and it came back to this 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 young Mexican. When I say young Mexican lady, she was, I think, close to 40. She said, I she said, Oh, I lived in the dorms when I was in college. And I said, um, I said, I, I will just call her Maria because I, I don't I don't want to use her name. She, she doesn't get mad at me or send me bad Facebook things. She wonderful, wonderful lady. I, I, I love her to death. She said, um, she said, well, I, I, I said, what did you study, Maria? And she said, um, molecular biology. And I said, what were you doing before you were a nanny in Ireland? She said, I was a pharmaceutical rep in Mexico City. And we're all like, you know, here I'm thinking that she's some poor village, Mexican village girl from from somewhere and she's probably made more more money than all of us back before she decided to go on this trip to to be a nanny to learn English and to, to discover herself and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it was an important life lesson from that standpoint of you know I assumed this and it was way over here. Mm-hmm. You know that didn't change anything and how awesome she was, but it was uh, you know that was that was me projecting and and so you really learn a lot about yeah. Um, did not judge, you know, the old judge a book by its cover. Absolutely. And, and, well, I, uh, I think we're used to being able to look up people's Facebook pages, their bios, yeah. their LinkedIn pages, their, you know, so there's all this information we can get on people, all this you know, like metadata that we can yeah. get people when we, when we connect with them. And there's no metadata when you're out there on the trail, there's just their face, and, yep. you know, their stuff. <laughs> and yep. every, I assume everyone looks a little bit grungy and a little bit dirty when they're out there. Right. We we all we all look like we just came out of a you know a, a, a week long college rager, you know. But but again too, you know, and we're wearing this. It's not like you have to get dressed up to go out too, because you only have what you have in your backpack. Yep. So you know, you, by by the second day, they've seen everything I everything I have. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've got so, a brown t shirt. Yeah. And a gray t shirt. Exactly. That's all. You know. Yeah, that's the whole thing. And so, but that's the wonderful thing about it too, is, you know, you're not caught up in all the things that really aren't that important. Yeah, no, that sounds yeah. fascinating. Well, so this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, that's what, what I love about doing these interviews. I get to learn all kinds of unique and interesting things. I, I had not heard of uh, El Camino before you told me about it. And now I have, now I definitely want to, you know, take another look at the book and, Anyone listening should also check out the book, which is called Sacred Blisters, A Pilgrim's Look at the History, Mystery, and Life Lessons Learned on El Camino de de Santiago. How to do on the accent there? You did perfect. All right. Nice. Author approved. Uh, And of course, you can find that. uh, There's there's links down below wherever you're watching and listening to this, or you can find it on Amazon or at writersrepublic.com. So, Steve, thank you so much for sharing the story. This has been great. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. And um, um, and I hope this left you with a, a desire to maybe go um, step, take your first step on the Camino someday. I, I am tempted. Yeah. So well, good. thank you so yeah. much. My work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Writer's Republic podcast. To learn more about Writer's Republic and to find the books we talk about on the show, visit writersrepublic.com. If you like this interview, be sure to follow or subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you really liked it, why not share it with a friend? I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. You can find out more about me at michaelwhitehouse.coach. Thank you for listening, and join us next time for another great interview with a fantastic Writer's Republic author.